What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. This is Everything Elite, presented by MyBookie, the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to all elite wrestling and the elite extended universe. I may be uh, slash Aaron, joined as always by my good friend Nate slash Epitasis. What's up, Nate? Hello, it's me. Here I am. Hi, Aaron. Hello, viewers, listeners, vlog fans, wrestling aficionados. Um, what's up? Uh, I'm steeping some tea, so I got that going on. You ever, do you ever uh, uh, steep any tea, Aaron? Literally, don't know what that means. Steeping it is just the process of putting the tea bag in it and letting the the tea permeate the water. I guess the hot water. Um, you know, British people have very rigid ideas about exactly how you're supposed to steep it. I think. Um, I, you know, until very recently, I just kept the tea bag in there the whole time, pretty much, and drank it like that. And I, I think maybe that's not correct, but uh, I haven't really <laughs> cared enough to investigate further. Never been uh, a big tea guy. You may remember from our trip to Japan, I swore throughout the trip that I was going to be getting into boba tea, uh, but right. I failed to do that while we were there. I think we did. We even go to a place that served boba tea, and then you didn't get any. Is that right? I, I think that happened. I, I'm pretty yeah. sure that happened. Uh, but I just still uh, even that's that's not really. It's like pretty different. I don't know. It's like I don't yeah. know. It's like uh, you know, saying I'm not a big coffee guy, but I am really into frappuccinos or something. Yeah, but thinking about I've been thinking about becoming a tea guy is what I'm saying. It's uh. The idea of tea is always a little more satisfying than the outcome. You know, you imagine, oh, yeah, it's going to be a a cold Sunday afternoon and I'm going to steep myself some tea and sit down and have a good little time. And then, you know, in actuality, it's just like, oh, no, I'm home from work and I'm going to sit in front of the other screen now and <laughs> now I'm going to down this beverage in five minutes and then, you know, go on doom scrolling and complaining. All right. Well, that's a good start to the show, I think. We're also joined uh, by Mike Spears. What's up, Mike? Hey, y'all. It's your old pal, uh, Iron Mike Spears. I am a tea guy. I do enjoy steeping myself uh, a fair bit of tea, especially if I know that's going to be a long day and I have to talk a lot. I will do that. I, I even have an electric kettle. I'm that much of a tea person. I don't drink coffee that often. I can only drink cold coffee. I'm, hot coffee just is a bad experience for me so what's your steeping methodology here it matters what i'm having to be honest oh he's he's way in the weeds here oh 
I I am like to the extent Wait, that I Mike got Mears does like really research something heavily and knows a lot about it. <laughs> I can't be true. I I mean, let me put it this way: I have a separate container that when I want to make iced tea, that's made to steep the hot tea, and then I add ice to it and I shake it up, and I have iced tea. Um, it, it's something that if I'm going to have an herbal tea, I usually leave the bag in, especially mm. if it's the uh, like a throat comfort tea. Like there's the yogi throat comfort tea that i'm a big fan of but if it's something that i'm having like black tea a breakfast tea i will probably like let it steep for the uh, the estimated time that they give us and then add another minute and take it out because i like my tea rather strong but yeah like the one thing that i've never got into is teapots teapots just not it's not my bag and of course i say i'm a tea person while i'm having this mountain dew zero sugar major melon i i've really cut back my soda and pop intake but i found this when i was at the store today and don't know how i feel about it so i wanted to ask y'all what's your what what are y'all's opinions of the artificial watermelon flavor um watermelon flavor was good for now and laters i think that's uh one point in which it excels i think it kind of defeats the purpose of drinking a mountain dew to not have any sugar in it i feel like mountain dews sort of niche is being the super sugary, you know, least, uh, I mean, not that, not that any cola is, uh, particularly healthy, but it feels like Mountain Dew is the one where it's like, Oh no, we're real. We're really fucking, you know, binging on sugar right yeah. now. Yeah, it, It's something that like, weirdly enough, I've never been a, like a full sugar or corn syrup, uh, pop person. It just was something that, Never really had growing up unless it was one of the cane sugar Cokes or Dublin Dr. Pepper or the, I think like the last time I've actually had a pop with uh, sugar in it was at cookout when I got a cheer wine float because cheer wine is, if you want to talk about something that's like really heavily sugared and caffe- caffeinated more so than Mountain Dew, let me tell you about the Carolina regional soda of cheer wine because that's what that thing does. I've been on a big uh, root beer renaissance. Uh-oh. Lately. You are a root beer boy. I've, I've always been a root beer boy, but I've just been buying it regularly recently and okay. uh, just destroying it. I, I fucking love it. Um, <laughs> I like I, how to... about cream sodas? Are you a cream no, soda guy? No, not a cream oh. soda guy. No, no big reds? I, I prefer cream soda myself. No, don't really care for cream soda. Um, I do like to, although most of them are bad, it still doesn't stop me, but I do like to buy like the, uh, you know, the craft. The craft soda. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Root beer. Yeah. All sorts of sodas. I like uh, grape and peach and elderflower. Got to get the elderflower ones. Oh, not familiar with that. That's, uh, I, I do. I do the same thing from time to time. If I go to the like fancier grocery store over here, yeah, then I'll go to their craft soda section and be like, <laughs> what sounds the most ridiculous here? I'm like, ooh, it's fucking uh, carbonated elder elderflower, whatever the fuck. Uh, the, the I, it's on- delicious. They're always delicious. Yeah. The only, like, craft soda that I really enjoy is uh, Papa Mike loves himself a real spicy ginger ale. There's a regional one here called Blenheim's that is that they that they sell it both in normal and not as hot. Mike, and I always Mike go talking f- about regional specialties. What regional specialties? I know, <laughs> babe. But I, 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 I'm on one today. I'm just going to be every stereotype that I've been for the last 106 episodes or 105 episodes and change. But yeah, I, I, I do love a ginger ale. Like that actually is the other, only other time that I will have like a full sugar drink is if it's a ginger ale. 
when I watched Hackers the other day, I got really nostalgic for Jolt and Surge Cola, mm, which were the yeah. obscenely overcaffeinated beverages. Josta. Uh, don't know if I ever had Josta. Josta, but uh, made yeah. by Jamie Josta. Just, just thinking about those. Thinking about those colas. Just thinking about colas here on the uh, Everything Elite Radio Show. Welcome to our beverage corner, radio, talking about teas, root beers, and colas. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's just it's what happened. Coming, coming soon to Sirius XM. <laughs> That's right. Uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter at everything AEW. I'm at Aaron Like the Car. Nate's at Epitasis. Mike's at Fuji. Hey, uh, I'm, okay, I'm pissed about. Let's talk about Twitter. I'm mad about Twitter right now. I after I did the uh, the Jericho donations tweet. Yeah. Uh, I got quite a few followers out of that. Uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a low follower account, but I settled on 666 followers. I was very happy about it. And I've just been getting crushed since then and, uh, losing followers left and right. Uh, and it's even worse because Oaken said when I get to 667 to let him know so he can unfollow me. So I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. Uh, I guess you should tweet better would be. Yeah, I should do better tweets. I, I'm not very good at that. I did. Uh, did you guys see my tweet today from the Kentucky State Police uh, website? Was that what that was from? <laughs> yeah. I, I had no idea what that was, and that's why I withheld is, an are these engagement the same, there. Is this the same uh, police force that had the, the Hitler PowerPoint, or is that a different? Uh... No, that, those would be the same uh, okay. same public servants. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was on their website for work purposes. And uh, it they have like a you know one of those scrolling banners on the website sure. you know and so mm-hmm. it was like whatever when I rolled it up and then I was doing other things and I just left the website up and I looked over and I saw uh, gray is our color trooper is our gender <laughs> that is just a wild just like deranged like <laughs> especially for like the state the state police like. Yeah. That's something. That's yeah, wild. I, I, I gave it an engagement because I needed context. I knew you were going to give me context, and now I've given you engagement. That's the context. I love to describe. I love to explain my tweets later, for sure. <laughs> uh, all right. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on the podcast app of your choice. Uh, give us a five-star rating and review if that podcast app is uh, the Apple Podcast app. And if you want to support the show, the best ways to do that are to go over to MyBookie and use the promo code ELITE. Or go to patreon.com slash everything elite and subscribe. It's near the first of the month, so it's a great time to subscribe, of course. And we've got a, a great month of content coming your way. And uh, particular, well, no, that's not true. Never mind. I'm not going to say what I was going to say. <laughs> but it's going to be a good month. I promise that. All right. As is customary, we will start the show off with your favorite game, Elite or Delete. Uh, of course, we talk about our favorite and least favorite things from this week's episode of AEW Dynamite. Nate, get us started. What was your favorite thing from the show this week? Uh, yeah, so this show, um, was pre- I was pretty aggrieved, pretty uh, disgruntled throughout the first, you know, three-fourths of it. Uh, coming off a just annoying, unpleasant news day uh, and going into, you know, just had a lot of complaints. But uh, fourth quarter, Final 30 minutes of the show. Kenny Omega and particularly Ray Phoenix put the show on their backs and decided, no, we're actually going to make this a good episode of the show. Uh, went out and had just a kick-ass main event. Uh, I've said, I previously said that Kenny Omega should only wrestle luchadors and that uh, continued to be true here. Ray Phoenix should absolutely be a top-pushed guy 
in this promotion, as really should his brother. Um, and I don't really know why they aren't, but he proved again, once again, why he should be just doing all his fucking ludicrous spots. Uh, all, you know, everything he does just looks insane and dangerous and, uh, you know, drops Kenny Omega on the back of his head or slams his head into the guardrail uh, because he's going, you know, 500 miles per hour and it looks awesome and I love it. And it keeps me, you know, uh, attached to the screen in a way that a lot of, a lot of matches don't just because you don't have that same raw element of Ray Phoenix doing whatever the hell he wants. So that was awesome. Um, and then they led, followed that up with a genuinely big angle. You know, the, the, you, there's only so many opportunities. There's so many uh, avenues that you can take a pro wrestling angle. Like, you know, on some level, every pro wrestling angle is fundamentally like, oh, one guy attacks the other guy uh, and, you know, gets run off or gets saved, whatever it may be. Uh, but here you had the reformation of the Bullet Club on AEW, including two talents from impact which is a different wrestling promotion and they appeared on this show uh which is you know pretty novel still um so yeah that was uh, an exciting way to cap off what was a kick-ass main event yeah this was insane like this is possibly for me the best tv match i've ever seen like i like i know you don't rate things nate but this was my first five-star match of the year. Like, this just it hit all the notes. It was excellently laid out. It got They got me by just, like, the fact that Don Callis had the earpiece the entire time. I was like, when he must be getting a time cue that way, that must be for the finish or for, like, whenever he's going to run in and do interference. I was like, when is this going to happen? When is it going to happen? And they completely subverted my expectations. Kenny won clean. How long have we been asking for a big Ray Fenix main event? pretty much since the promotion started and you give the ball to Ray Phoenix and he just goes out and has one of the best matches in the promotion's history. And the, the two of them, as you said, like Kenny Omega's chemistry with luchadors is something now, like looking back the last two years, it's like, arguably he probably has better chemistry with luchadors than he does with people who are natively in his, in his company or just like people who don't wrestle that style. And it's something that like, the whole segment, like the whole last quarter of the show was so well executed in a fashion that like the only thing that I would say is they kind of like were stalling time, I guess. Like it came out that Nick Jackson got a knee contusion or a leg contusion during the opener. So maybe they were trying to make sure that he was able like to shake it off and run in for the final part of it. And then, you know, they had to do the famous hand sign. You know, the gang is back together, the famous hand sign. And, you know, it's it's exciting and i know that aaron we were talking about this on light yesterday about we have so many more weeks until there's going to be this hard to kill show that with impact that it's going to be a gun and gallows and omega versus rich swan and the motor city machine guns so we're like hey you're going to kind of want to start building things up for that and not only do they find a way of building things up there because now they're like oh now this trio will be on the impact pay-per-view and you have that thing but also now that the so, so we have the forbidden gate. We have the forbidden door. Is this just like the uh, the, the uh, dog gate that's kind of just slightly like ajar that you're able to just hop over or step right through? Because it's it's open now, baby. And this just was a home run in every single fashion of the way. And the only thing that I hope now is that we get a Phoenix Omega 2. Yeah, I mean, I think the 
Omega Luchadors thing is like the Luchadors aren't going to do the dumbass first 15 minutes of a match where you like <laughs> pretend to work on each other's arms or whatever. Right. They just don't, they don't give a shit about that. So I think that helps. Phoenix is like, how about we just like start out with like, I p drop you on your head and then we just keep doing that for another 20 minutes. <laughs> like, yeah, that kicks ass. It's do that exactly. I mean, fuck. It is. It's, well, it's, and it's perfect for TV wrestling, right? It's just like, yeah, just keep me going. Um, I, I still prefer the parking lot brawl probably if we're talking TV matches, but uh, yeah, I love this match. And we were talking, Mike, about, okay, we knew Mox was coming back. And we were talking about, would they, are they going to continue with the attacker angle? Like, would that pop back up? How would he be kind of worked back into Omega, if at all possible, or if at all? And, I mean, this wasn't a, a brilliant take or anything, but I was like, oh, yeah, I'm, if they're going to do that, it'll be uh, Gallows and Anderson. You know, that makes the most sense. And uh, this really has to give you this is the the best way the impact thing could be going right like it's doing good stuff for impact apparently i don't know but then the only people from impact to show up like wrestlers to show up on aw are guys that totally make sense in the aw ecosystem who are like because aw recognizes all pro wrestling it's like gallows and anderson are already part of the 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 wider universe of AEW, so it just makes sense yes you're right nate that it's cool to be like oh these are guys who don't work here who are showing up on this tv show on the other hand it's like oh yeah these guys fit in perfectly uh with everything that's going on they and, haven't uh, accumulated any tna stink it's just like oh no these right. are like major league wrestlers yeah so that was good you get the little uh bucks thing that it's like well will they or won't they and, you know, I hope that it's not going to be, a, I mean, it's going to be a dragged out thing of, of, you know, where they stand, but they, I don't know, they like post for pictures, you know, stuff that they posted on socials. So hopefully not. Uh, and we'll just, you know, get to business with that. But yeah, everything was great here. As uh, our friend Raw said, a great WCW ending to just end with the shot on the famous hand sign. The, uh, so I talked on, on light about, at the very end of the most recent episode of BTE, they cut in a shot of Kenny and the Bucks um, standing over AJ Styles when they kicked AJ Styles out of the Bullet Club at New Year's Dash in Corquin. Uh, so I have to I have to own up to being wrong. I'm like, I don't think this means anything. I think they just put this clip in here because it was the anniversary of that happening on that show. Uh, but no, that was in fact like a direct through line to this event happening because that was the last time uh, of course, that Kenny and the Bucks and the Good Brothers were all in the ring together. Uh, so that was uh, kind of a fun hint. Uh, do we want to have the conversation about reforming the Bullet Club? Is it has has WWE driven that into the ground? Is the Bullet Club just too long in the tooth? Um, is it just a, a good thing to do because there hasn't been like a genuine Western Bullet Club? featuring the main uh the main players in however many numbers of years and that was like in ring of honor any any thoughts on that we want to do you know i think this is totally fine and it's interesting that we brought up the impact stink and not the fact that gallows and anderson probably more so had the wwe stink where like they were proctologists for a bit like like with dana brooke like it, it's really remarkable that we don't have that jump to our forefront and instead it's i guess the 20 year old story of tna wrestling but i think this is fine 
because I was actually reading the books. I read the book's autobiography, and they talk about, like, how this all kind of, like, how they spend most of the book talking about Bullet Club, Ring of Honor, New Japan, and how they kind of flowed and how they kind of separated and came back together. And if anything, this is, like, kind of the next chapter that, like, it fits, it sets, maybe not next chapter, the next act of Bullet Club or whatever they have to call it because of copyright reasons or whatever. So I, I think this... I think this is this works, and I don't think this is like playing out the string too much. And then again, talk to me in twelve months if we're still having versions of the famous hand sign and the gang being back the together in my field, the infamous club. Yeah, so it, it's going to be interesting. It's something where I feel like they do have a little bit of latitude, but it's something where when this if this gets long in the tooth, we will know immediately because this is one of those things you can't really like string out. Much long, uh, much longer than it should be, in my opinion. Uh, to me, WWE is fake, and whatever happened there just doesn't matter. I just don't. And it's not like the the exact same guys doing the exact same angle that they did in WWE. In fact, they're the people who started the whole idea, and WWE kind of bastardized it. And now that's this is like, you know, the uh, the reformation of like the OGs. You know, this is like the real shit. But but they did have <laughs> WWE did do a version that they called the OG. Sure, the OG I wish show. I hadn't said. It. After it came out of my mouth, I wish I hadn't said it, that but is, I'd already done it. That uh, is that that's like the tension, right? Is that like yeah? WWE did like every fucking dumb permutation that they could figure out. Yeah, and then but, and then and then broke it up and went back to it like twice at least. But but the other thing is, apart from what we think, uh, you know, people like us think, as I've talked about a lot. The the fans of AEW are Bullet Club fans, so they are going to absolutely love this shit. I I don't think there's any chance this isn't insanely over with the AEW audience. If there had been a crowd, like a okay, there was an insanely large crowd when Jim Ross said there were six to seven hundred people there. I thought that was terrifying. But if this were in a an arena, the place would have fucking exploded for this. So it's good for that. But yeah, you run the risk of you know, late stage NWO where this uh, goes on really long. Yeah. The, uh, I, I, I pretty much agree. The, the core fans are going to love it. The, I think the Western heart of the bullet club is pretty much the young bucks. And this is the first time that they've gone back to it in particular. Um, I do, I do think that. So they, they explicitly call it the bullet club on impact, but avoided calling it the bullet club on this show, even though uh, Chris Jericho had no problems calling Eric Redbeard, Eric Rowan, you know, he, he did not want to say bullet club on commentary here. So that does make me think that they, you know, do not have the permission to use it. Uh, and that, that is kind of a annoying speed bump to me. Like, cause that was, you know, that's, that's one of the funniest things about WWE doing it so many times. It's like, Oh, WWE, you know, uh, they're now in the position of being TNA. TNA had, you know, their own version of the NWO and they had to call it the band. And now WWE is doing that, but for a stable from fucking new Japan pro wrestling. And they have to say, Oh, it's the infamous club We're we're doing the, you know, knockoff version in the WWE, even though that's supposed to be the big league. Uh, so if you can avoid that, if at all possible, it's just so awkward to call it the club or the band or whatever it is. So I don't know. Maybe that's, maybe that's not a problem you can solve. No, I kind of doubt it. Uh, the the interesting thing to me is this, I suppose, outs that the Young Bucks were doing a 
or it was a work the whole time they did the cease and desist thing, right? Because the first thing they do is do the infamous hand sign. Well, I think we knew that. Um, I mean, the book I, also talks a bit about it, and it's kind of vague in a way. They say like, "Oh, we played into it," and it played into what? Like an actual thing, or you did the thing, and then you got the cease and desist. Like the, the, they are kind of vague about it. So yeah, I, I mean, I, I the. I think we had an idea that it was, I mean, probably anybody, no, I guess a cease and desist, there wouldn't be a public record. Um, certainly Robert said in the past that it was never true in the first place and it was a work all along. <laughs> it's the thing to me about that is like, are people mad about that? Because I just give them props for doing a creative work and like no, no. Getting, getting away from a gimmick that was maybe getting long in the tooth at the time and like a novel and uh, a novel and smart way that they can spin into a new gimmick. So, yeah, it's like it doesn't doesn't really matter one way or the other. But uh, yeah, if they were working us, then uh, you know, credits for being smart workers. Oh yeah, no good on them. Um, okay, Mike, do you have a, an elite pick? Yeah, buddy. <laughs> uh, you know what yesterday was? I don't. It was Wardlow Day, and we had the absolute hoss just completely. Take Jake Hager, who I would argue has probably had the most bad matches in this promotion out of people who should not be having bad matches. And through the sheer force of Wardlow, Mr. Mayhem, the War Dog, War is his name, had ended up having a pretty fun match just because of Wardlow like selling in the way that Wardlow, like the whole like doing the doing the scarf choke choke up on the turnbuckle and him deciding to do the hot shot down. And then immediately going for like the F10 and and a big scenario that really with how Wardlow is not a constant figure in the promotion and the way that he's kind of been booked in a very much like, oh, we build him up for things and then he's going to take losses. Oh, we're going to build up these things, build him up for things and then take losses. This felt like the first time that they might actually be getting behind Wardlow. And I mean, he threw like the, the giant bag of just shit. Uh, Jake Hager around with the F10, and I, and, and as one of Wardlow's biggest fans, you you just gotta you love to see it. You just you I was giddy and I was shouting in my living room as I saw Wardlow just manage to get the win as he is the top power fighter now in the inner circle. Yeah, I think the other than the main event, I guess, and in, in the main event angle, I think Wardlow getting the clean win here was the most pleasant surprise on this show. I kind of did not have faith in them to do that. Um, you know, whether it be because they, you know, protect Matt Hardy too much or, um, you know, there's a number of other older guys that are like winning when you should be having the younger guys winning, I think. Uh, and here they just had Wardlow beat his stable mate uh, clean in the ring. No fuck finish. No, uh, you know, banana peel with the inner circle getting involved or anything like that. Just gave Wardlow the win over, you know, a guy who is like a former world champion and a currently contracted MMA fighter. It's like, oh, that's uh, a good decision. And you did it a, a good way. Uh, and yeah, Wardlow really just showed, uh, really showed Hager up with his F10 as compared to the F10 that Hager did a couple weeks ago. I'm going to defend the AEW Jake Hager run. Right now. That's oh, this is surprising. How... The guy yeah, who talked yeah. himself into every big headgear build. I can't believe it. <laughs> I'm Did not even it. address this on light, by the way. You, you, you tucked your tail about Jake Hager, but now you're coming back out 
when no. Wardlow carries him to a three-star match. No, this is all bullshit because in the past, I have claimed I expected him to have a good match, and he has failed to do so. I am not coming back now and saying he's had a bunch of great matches in AEW. I'm saying that the run has been effective because the guy is credible in these big matches, and he always loses. He always loses the big singles match. He's lost to he lost to Moxley, he lost to Cody, and now he lost to Wardlow. So it's not like they've used him to in a way that has held down other people in the company or over pushed him in any way. He's kind of like perfectly pushed. He, he serves a purpose for what he does, and so I'm just saying the AW Jake Hager run is uh, has been handled well. Okay, I yeah. mean uh, 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 you're not wrong there. I. The fact that they put him and Dustin Rhodes on pay-per-view and had a an over 10-minute match that was absolutely dreadful, and then, then they had that Moxley match that was supposed to be one of the best <laughs> matches in company history, that was absolute dog shit. And now you're trying to say like they put him in, in, in situations and that he always does his job in situations? No, I, I want him to go out there, and if I'm going to put you in a situation, if I'm going to put you in a title match, I'm not going to want a shitty match. So well, Tony Khan thought it was great. I do. Dustin Rhodes is the other guy that's overpushed. American Nightmares in general should should be losing to the Butcher and the Blade. That was my other one. All right. What is uh, what's my pick? I got to think of a pick. I'm gonna go with. All right. I'm just gonna be on brand. Uh, Ty Conti is my elite pick. They do this uh, this backstage thing where. It looks like maybe Ty is just like fully on with uh, with the Dark Order now. She's there with Anna Jay. The Beaver Boys are there behind her, and uh, you know she's in the she's got the Brody Lee T shirt on, and they're setting her up for this big match for the NWA uh, Women's Title with Serena Deeb. And also, every time Ty Conte gets a chance, she is really good. Like she's way better than I ever anticipated when she came out of NXT. To be fair, I haven't watched hardly any match she ever had in NXT, uh, but she's got a presence. You know, obviously English is her second language. Her promos aren't like perfect, but they get across who she is. And I just, to me, like they should just get behind this woman and, and push her uh, pretty close to the top of this division. If not the top, her beating Hikaru Shida, I think would be fun. You know, if you, especially if you kind of, align her with Dark Order now, make her kind of a baddie, then uh, that'd be a, a fun little feud. So that's it. Ty Conti, low-key elite. Yeah, can't can't disagree. Um, you know, would like to see her and Anna Jay. Just, you know, they can all have more short segments on Dynamite. Just give them little tag wins over whatever teams you cobble together from the dark talent. You know, great, great way to plug five minutes into your show and, you know, trim five minutes elsewhere that could use trimming. And, and it's something that when you, when we saw uh, Ty J and Beaver boys together, you're like, all right, like this felt like it, it, it this felt like an act that was like moving forward. Like it, it felt like you had like, you had John, you had John Silver in this promo, just like, just being an absolute ham in the way that like it really works for it. And then, yeah, I, if someone, if there's someone that I was going to say that in this promotion that they came along later, I'm using a lot of caveats here. I apologize, but out of people that weren't original talent that came along after the promotion was founded 
and is the most improved wrestler of the promotion since then, I think it's Ty Conti. I think that since she came aboard in the fall, she's really like come aboard, and whenever they put her in a position to succeed, she's someone that takes the ball and run with it. And I have like full confidence that with her and Serena Deeb, like that's that that is going to be a big match for her. But I think it's one that that ultimately will end up being a an overall success and something that I'm really looking forward to when that match happens. All true. Uh, okay. Let's uh, talk about something else that is elite, and that is the code that you can use at MyBookie. you got to head over to MyBookie uh, and use the code ELITE. You'll get a 100% deposit match. Uh, so if you donate, I mean, if you donate, if you deposit, 10 bucks, you'll get 10 bucks all the way up to a hundred or no, a thousand bucks, right? They'll give you a thousand dollars. So it's worth doing. Uh, there's NBA going on. I guess that's the biggest thing, right? Uh, NFL still happening. So you still got that going. National title is coming up this weekend. That's right. The big national title game. And, or it should be going on this weekend. There, there might be a postponement due to COVID. That's but right. It... So that's, what's interesting about that bet, right? Is like, mm-hmm. if you're, if the game happens, uh on schedule then i mean i'm playing alabama but you know we'll see how the line uh changes if it gets postponed and it's currently and it's currently alabama by eight right yeah so and and that uh opened at seven and a half if i recall so like Mm -hmm. eight with a depleted now that was a pretty fair line but if it's a depleted ohio state and you're only giving up an extra half a point that might be a good way to go yeah, yeah. It, it, it's going to be interesting, and it's going to be one of those things that we'll see if they actually get the COVID thing. Uh, the the daughter of the head coach of the University of Alabama football team, uh, Kristen Saban, went off on Twitter. Did you see this, A.B.? I did not. She went off about, like, because the, the idea is that the quarterback from Ohio State took a lot of really bad shots and probably broke a couple ribs. And they're like, oh, this is going to buy him time to heal. So we have people that are going off on that. However... I, I would like to offer you another bet that someone can make because apparently the Royal Rumble is coming up. Oh. And, le- and, and, and let me tell you, if you want to put down money and get plus 6,000 odds, you can get that for Stone Cold Steve Austin in the Royal Rumble. Wait, winning the Royal Rumble? Yes, plus 6,000 odds for Stone Cold Steve Austin to win the Royal Rumble. Or is there well, any talk if, about if, he, if he's in it, then he's going to win it. So it's really an appearance uh, bet. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the current uh, clubhouse uh, leader for that is Keith Lee at plus 250. And the current clubhouse leader for the Women's World Rumble is Bianca Belair at plus 350. The the, 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 the crazy one with that one is that you can get Eva Marie Nate at plus 6,000 as well. Oh, that's right. She's due to return uh, by, yeah. by some reports. Well, that would, I mean, that's a possibility. I could see Eva showing up and, and winning the whole the whole damn thing. She should. Eva Marie versus Stone Cold Steve Austin. Wait, oh, that, that, that's, that's the match. Yeah, that's that, the match. <laughs> there we go. There we go. And your story. Okay, go over to uh, my bookie. Use the promo code Elite, and you'll get a hundred percent bonus match. Uh, yeah, up to a thousand dollars. So do that. All right, let's talk about the things we didn't like from the show. It's interesting because it was a show that I didn't really care for. But as I look back over my notes, there wasn't a lot of stuff that I hated. It was just kind of like, ugh, kind of show. Uh, what was the your your least favorite thing from the show, Nate? I uh, hated Chris Jericho on this show. They've gone back to the well of Chris Jericho on commentary too many times. 
And now he is just grating. Uh, he no longer has clever things to say. He's just fallen into this heel character where he yells at Tony Schiavone and disagrees with whatever he's saying and then tries to reason out why he's disagreeing with the math of the fact. He's fucking screaming all the time. Uh, you know, practically practically squandered the main event angle because of his obnoxious screaming uh, after his obnoxious screaming on the show last week. Uh, he wasn't good. He's very bad. I'm tired of him. He should go away. Uh, don't really care to see him in the ring anymore. He's also personally responsible for the ratings being down this week through his uh, material aid and moral support uh, to the Trump riots. So fuck Chris Jericho. It, it, it's something with him that like I keep on playing in my head. Oh, he was supposed to be on tour. Oh, he probably wasn't going to be around a whole lot. But now we're coming up on like we're coming up on close to like two years of unmitigated Chris Jericho and coming up on a year with, with him without the title. And it's something that it's just like, all right, at a certain point, like there was the Jericho rub and there is the idea that Jericho is a founding block of this promotion. But we're getting to a point now that like double or nothing three is coming up in four months. We kind of, we're at a point right now that the amount of Jericho we have kind of needs to slide back because it's something where it's like it's the famous hand sign ah and he just like shouts at things and kind of is doing his uh south paul pro uh territory wrestling character on commentary and especially for something for like some of these moments that you don't need that it's kind of just it pulls you out of it however for stuff like Hakarashita versus Abaddon having Chris Jericho freak out that actually is funny like he should have only been out for that match and then he should have just I don't know, gone hanging out in a hot tub and where he could just drink vodka or whatever. I don't care. Just just tired of him. I'm with you on that, Nate. Yeah, less Chris Jericho. I agree. Uh, Mike, your D-Leap pick for this week? Yeah, uh, it's something where, like, I think I'm a little bit higher on this episode than the two of you. Maybe I just was in a period of just feeling good and disconnecting from everything and just watching wrestling, but... The whole, like, Matt Hardy with, like, Snoop Dogg and Private Party segment was just something that, like, as I was, like, watching this, I was, like, why are, like, like okay, you have Snoop, come, Snoop Dogg come out then. And I was, like, oh, this is the first time we're seeing Snoop Dogg, and this is a real WWE-ass celebrity segment. And it just was kind of noxious. And then, like, everything with, like, Matt Hardy where it's just, like, oh, I'm going to take your money now. I'm going to now be, like, a, a contract and a mentor and do, like, all that. And you had, like, Snoop Dogg just standing there. And they, they made the joke again about Cameo and Twitch. And it's like, all right, we all know that that's happening and that's fucked up at this point. And we all are on the same page that it's just like they, as independent contractors, they should be able to find other ways to benefit off their image. But this whole like hardy party thing, it's just gotten so long and it's not going anywhere. And it's just like, are they eventually going to like turn on Matt Hardy? Are they going to go heal? Are they going to like join him in this? And it's just, not interesting it's just something that you had this angle that just didn't make much sense and like everything with matt hardy as of late i'm just been like oh you're another person that you probably weren't going to be around this much and we're just subjected to way too much of you and when jericho goes away i want matt hardy to go away as well yeah it is they've kind of got maybe their priorities out of order in terms of who's an every week talent and who's an every three week talent like there are a lot of people on this roster that i'd rather see uh, get time on dynamite than Matt Hardy literally every single week. Um, you know, the angle, I guess, the, like the story, you can see that the outline of it 
makes sense. Like we know Matt Hardy's turned into a heel. He's egotistical now. Um, and he's taking advantage of these young kids who are coming to him for guidance. Makes sense. They set it up on BD, but yeah, the execution sucked. Um, I don't know. It, it, it felt like the Twitch cameo joke that felt like a hearty joke because it did not land at all. Um, you get better like comedic backstage segments on every episode of BT and every episode of Sammy Guevara vlog. So they should have had Sammy G punch this up or something. Um, so yeah, it was, you're exactly right. It was just extremely WWE core. Um, and that sucks. On the other hand, Snoop, uh, was great on this episode. You know, they didn't give it much to do in that uh, particular segment and kind of made him look like a dumbass Cause he's like, yeah. okay, yeah. Uh, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you do anything there? Uh, of course, I, I meant to shout out the. Uh, I've skipped over the listener Ely, which was uh, listener Kick Punchington, who gave the Ely to Snoop Dogg with the super high fly flow, which I think is a funny way of describing yeah. what he. That was fun. That that uh, that was a pretty good usage of him in the Cody match. Um, you know, he's not any worse at it than Arn is, and he actually got involved physically. Uh, so you got to give it up to that. Um, and like, you know, doing the remix of Cody's theme, that's like a level of effort beyond what they would ever use Snoop for in WWE. So that was fun. Uh, and, he, you know, the the beginning of the segment where I'm like, oh, Private Party gets like a little bit of rub by being with Snoop Dogg. Like, that's so cool for them. They're going to do something cool in this segment here. Uh, but no, it was all in service of Matt Hardy's stupid little angle. Um, so that was a, a missed opportunity, even when they started on the right foot. All right. Yeah, I guess it's my turn to uh, make my delete pick. Uh, it's an easy one because Tony Khan has made me look like an absolute dumbass for talking about how they had these big plans for Sting. And I was so impressed that they weren't just, you know, bringing him in here and living off of it staying. And yet for, I don't know, three weeks in a row, they've done the exact same segment where you got Darby, Team Taz comes out and they're mad. And uh, Sting comes out and makes the save. And for some reason, these guys run away from Sting, who is 61 years old and has a bat. Uh, and it's just, I'm, I've, I've grown tired of it. I've grown weary. It's confounding that they don't have any other idea. <laughs> like I, When Tony explains to the guys what they're doing, do they go, haven't we done that the last three weeks, Tony? Like, I... I like could not believe they did the exact same thing here um and now it's like you start to resent sting you're like okay uh you know i was i was loyal to you for being entertaining on wcw television uh you know 25 years ago um but that loyalty does not last through a month of my current life like i'm gonna lose interest in you and i'm gonna start getting annoyed with you it's like chris jericho what have you done for me lately uh sting is obviously not as bad as chris jericho uh, but I'm not a patient person and I'm not a loyal person. Um, so they need to do something. And it's like, y you have this and you're doing the one thing with him and there's no, there's no changing. It makes your heels now look progressively more and more dumb when that was one of the cool things about team FTW is the fact that they l felt like a very legit heel stable and that they've been very careful about the only people who look like idiots are like the pompous assholes but now it's like all right now it's like you have you have five guys there or four guys if we're gonna withdraw taz here who probably all out 
outweigh uh, Sting and combined, they probably outweigh him by five times. And now they have it happen. And it's and it's something where you didn't need to have Sting on every single night here because now you're getting to have the, the the case of like the resentment. And I I, I still want to preface by the saying that that to continue to say Sting was always cool, but you don't need to have Sting on doing the same thing every like weeks. So, like he could have like gone away for two weeks and then showed up right back at the weigh in here and and help out Darby in that. Like, like there's ways that they could do this without just going, all right, copy and paste from last week. Yeah. And it keeps things fresh. And that, and I guess that's like the frustrating thing about it. So I understand it. It's like, I'm I, again, it's sting. I'm still like, I love his entrance. I love his music. I think it's still like such a cool vibe, but you, you could have let it breathe. Yeah. The, I mean, we talked a lot about how the reliably hot angle or feud in this company is Darby Allen against Brian cage, Ricky Starks and team Taz. Like they've been, burning that candle for a long time uh and it was not getting tired it was not feeling old it was like still hot um and team taz was like at times the best thing going in this promotion you had a bunch of guys who looked badass with taz cutting badass promos uh and now you added sting to the mix consequently he hasn't done anything so consequently taz has run out of things to talk about uh and you're advertising sting heavily for every single show so if you're a casual viewer who's tuned in to see week four of sting entering the ring doing nothing and taz going yay we're gonna get you sting and then running off like i would be like okay this aw thing nothing happens here i'm done with this so uh manage your expectations better and yeah manage manage your sting better uh, listener M Gallup also said, okay, can Sting do a second thing, which I think is fair, but also pointed out uh, that they noted Darby has a 60-day title reign, even though he's not defended the title one single time. <laughs> Inexplicable. Like, yeah. unless he's injured or something, like maybe that's, but otherwise, can't you, I don't know, put him on dark and have him squash somebody? Brandon Cutler has eight wins for in a row for a reason. Yeah. Like, yeah make that a dark main event so strange i mean especially coming off of having the gimmick that they defended this title every week well I don't, it never did actually have that gimmick because we said at the time cody didn't do an open challenge gimmick and then nobody was here this week and they announced a title challenge for next week that's true but it was regularly defended when yes cody it was it was a, a constant on television all right let's talk uh ratings uh there's we didn't talk ratings last week, right? Even though the last few weeks, the last yeah, the last few weeks we've not been talking ratings. I'm sure our yeah. the ratings haters out there are absolutely feasting on these no ratings episodes. Uh, but PW Torch has somehow become the the worldwide leader in getting AEW ratings early. I say, ask questions, folks. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. <laughs> yeah, so over the last few weeks, because one of the reasons why we haven't done this is because when we've been recording, due to the holidays, everything's just, just backed up. Next week, everything is supposed to be back to normal work. Ratings come out Thursday afternoons. However, Wade Keller's been able to get ratings ahead of time or someone slides some ratings. And I, I, I'm with Aaron, ask questions. So what we know is that 
last or last night AEW had 662,000 viewers. No idea of placement, but a 0.25 demo. This versus NXT had 641,000 with a 0.16 demo, and it's something where I personally view this of because what's happened, at least in the United States, over the last 24 hours, the the TV news, like the broadcast news ratings that came out last night were insane, like higher than the election. And that's kind of what I kind of view this as. And it's something that's like coming out after like the last month where they've been really kind of pushing up and have been reliably in the top five. NXT has been kind of existing and we'll, we'll see how things kind of go for this. It, it, it's something where it does seem like that the ratings last night, in my opinion, were just kind of an environmental thing. And it's, it's not, not something that I would dismiss out of hand, but something that you keep in mind, you keep in mind. Yeah, I, I personally hold Chris Jericho responsible uh, for this rating. He needs to to take his game check and send it to Shad Khan. Or to us, personally. Or, or to us. That's fine also. <laughs> okay. Uh, do we want to say anything else about ratings? I I I mean, like, they've been doing really well, of course, with the Brody Lee a Celebration of Life. They came close to breaking a million viewers so a lot of people were interested in that and a lot of people came over away of that show with really good vibes about it i think we talked about that a lot on there about how excellently done and how classy that was but you know it's kind of hard to really have other things to talk about other than you know we'll see how things are next week and get an idea about how everything's shaking out all right well let's run down the parts of the show we haven't talked about yet the show opened with scu and the young bucks defeating the acclaimed and the hybrid two chris daniels pinned jack evans after the best Meltzer ever after the match uh kazarian said that the next time i i must have missed this when this first was said i do not recall it at all they mentioned it on commentary before kaz said it and we're like it was kaz said this and i did not remember it coming up this was on the waiting room with dr baker dmd <laughs> on dark wow that's quite a pull uh, so they said the next time it's my it, favorite segment they have. I love the waiting room. I'm stoked that's going to be on TV. No, I just mean it's weird to reference that on a on Dynamite as if it was just like, oh, remember when I said this? It's like, well, not yeah. everybody watches the uh, Excalibur did say he, that he said it. Uh, but yeah, it would, it would have been like if he had said, oh, it was on the waiting room with Dr. Brett Baker, uh, then I wouldn't have had the question. Yeah, right. Uh, so anyway, the, the next time they lose, Kaz has decided that that means they're going to be done as a tag team forever. Uh, but he's not going to let that happen on his watch. Well, then what? This is just a dumb, this is a dumb stipulation, I think. Uh, and so Chris Daniels says to the Young Bucks, uh, if this is our last hurrah, we've got your back anytime, uh, unless we're wrestling you for the title. So setting up a match, which would, of course, become more interesting when the Bucks perhaps turn heel at the end of the show. So then you get a slightly different feel of what that match would be like. Yeah, it's a little awkward. Uh, like you kind of get Kaz, Kaz on Twitter, and I think generally his character is like, oh, he's thinks he should be positioned above his spot right now. You know, he goes out against John Mox or Chris Jericho or whatever, and has good matches. He should be more featured, and it's like Chris Daniels was doing a thing uh, on BTE and otherwise that you know he, he doesn't know how much he's got left in the tank, uh, and he you know might be ready to hang it up or pack it in or whatever. So. You get the conflict there, uh, but it is fun to have Kaz, who you would think is the inciting element in this combination, to go, I don't want us to break up, but I I do have a reason we're going to break up soon. And it's something that's like, so they have this proposed matchup, like this gentleman's wager matchup, like 
what happens now with the Bucks, so, uh, who have kind of like turned back their affiliation? I'm not gonna say turn heel because I always believe that the Bucks are heels; they get cheered despite their actions. So it's an awkward situation. I, I do want to say Jack Evans pretty much like saved this match for me. Like Jack Evans was just doing nuts stuff, and the rest of the match was kind of there. Oh, I want to shout out because my my friend is texting me that Platinum Max Caster is his favorite thing in AEW right now. Actually, his favorite, okay. thing, his favorite thing in wrestling right now. Oh. And uh, I I agree. This was, of his raps, I think, his best rap on Dynamite so far, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, when I was ahead of the curve and saying that uh, he's good, actually. Uh, and, you know, they've got something with him if they can, uh, you know, continue to, to give him the spotlight and keep writing pretty good punchlines. The thing that irritates me is that Daniels should be the one who says, if we lose, we're going to break up. Uh, Mike, do you remember who did say it on the? Uh, God. So it was like this thing where like, like did thing. They... the way they it, said it, kind it of... here was like Kaz had said it. So that's the way I took it. But I, I mean, geez, uh, it just seems it like kind of was like a weird going to be the reason they lose because he's yeah. old and broken down. Should be mm-hmm. the guy who's like, oh, I'm not really pulling my I mean, weight here. He, he might have said that. So yeah, can't well, really get mad about it, I guess. If mm-hmm. I I am complaining about something that I don't actually know how it happened. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> <laughs> I, they did. I mean, Daniels had like a long promo on BTE that was like, oh yeah, no, I don't know how much like I've got left in the tank. So that would be in character if he was like, you know, sorry, I'm not pulling my weight, Kaz. All right, well, whatever, whatever happened. That's what I'm complaining about. Remember when Scorpio Sky was in this unit? <laughs> I do. I do. Uh, all right. John Moxley came out to the ring, cut a promo. This is his big return. He was he was off TV for a month, unlike Chris Jericho uh, or Matt Hardy. Uh, he said, you might expect me to be angry, you know, because obviously he got, uh, you know, Omega cheated to win the title. So you would expect me to be angry. But from where I come, where I come from, life isn't fair. Uh, so I just stare down adversity, blah, blah, blah. You know, babyface promo. Uh, and then he ties himself back into Kenny Omega. He did say he, he would like to chase down Kenny Omega and Don Callis and beat them to death with a crowbar, which I thought was pretty aggressive. Kind of, kind of goofy. <laughs> a little, like, verging on monkey cheese. <laughs> uh, but, you know, that's Moxley. Then he took his next turn in this promo and used it to put over uh, Ray Fenix. Talked about how he's getting a chance. He's worked hard for it for 13 years, uh, but then reminds us that he's going to get even with Kenny and then some. It's weird that <laughs> John Moxley did lose the title and then take off exactly the amount of time that would be necessary to go wrestle at Wrestle Kingdom, but just didn't do it. I mean, you know, this... It, if it's in butts, you know, but I wonder if he took, you know, he's like, Hey, Tony, I need uh, vacation time for this month here. Uh, and Tony's like, yeah, that's fine. Uh, but you're not going to new Japan. <laughs> well, he was at least in California at one time. Uh, yes. He was in the new Japan strong studio. I I'm not positive. That's in California. People have also said they might be in Texas. Um, if it is where they filmed at least the first run, it is in California. Okay. Cause it is where a uh, championship wrestling from Hollywood filmed at. So I thought that like the, the idea of having making sure that Moxley put over a Ray Phoenix before the match was a was perfect. Like I thought like that, that that was really probably the strongest part of his promo was was just like, Well, I'm gonna come for you and I'm gonna kill you for crowbar, but 
before that happens, there's this guy, Ray Fanks and Gopher. He's been he's been scratching and calling crawling in a way that I respect and I hope that he takes it to you and, and wins the championship. I feel like that that was like a like that is like a babyface ace promo right there and I thought that that rocked. Yeah, it it was. It was just kind of like there was a weird tone to the whole to the promo. Oh, you know? oh he didn't tra- he didn't transition very well from wanting to kill yeah. Kenny Omega and Don Callis with a crowbar he's and got, then hey, cheer on, for this guy. He's taking on like the John Cena role where he's like the ace so he speaks like on behalf of the whole promotion at, at times um you know he did the same thing after some you know the previous angle with kenny i think where before their match where it was like oh kenny tried to kill me or whatever but now i'm just gonna hype up this match check it out on your local pay-per-view provider or whatever the fuck i guess it's a tv <laughs> match uh but he, he has done that a couple times where it's like oh he's like the company company spokesman very strange. Um, and I'm interested to see how this all kind of plays back in, which I guess, uh, you know, with the main event angle of how they're going to work Mox back into the uh, this reformed bullet club angle. I guess he's going to he's like the home army uh, representative. Right. All right. Then we saw uh, Chuck Taylor and Orange Cassidy backstage with Dasha. Uh, they confirmed that Trent is going to be out four to five months with a pec injury. Didn't he have a big injury not that long ago? He was out he, for a while. Trent's had a lot of injuries. I feel like he He's had a big like, surgery not, not too long ago. But Well, he he had the thing in New Japan where like he it was after a PWG match where between the two of them where like he tore like a rotator cuff. That was uh, I, after after the hardcore match against Dustin, I believe. Right, yeah. Ooh, yeah. He, he hasn't had one since he's been in AEW. Yeah. All right. But but before uh, that, he's been hurt a lot. He 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 he's someone that needs to be in bubble wrap. Yeah, uh, Miro interrupts. Uh, the drip god interrupts, and Chuck has this like funny line where he's like, oh, "I hope Miro doesn't interrupt again." Like Miro's coming in, pretty funny. Uh, Miro says four to five months sucks for Trent, but it's worse for Chuck since he'll be on the shelf uh, because Trent is the leader of your little group. Uh, but he said, "But you can be my best friend." And Chuck says, how about next week on Dynamite, I beat your goofy ass in the middle of the ring? Which, it's like, the way Chuck says that line is so different than how anybody else would say it. comes across very funny. Yeah, Uh, and just the perfect tone for, you know, say this every time with these guys, but the perfect tone for Chuck Taylor where he's like, yeah, he's like, you know, upset about his friend. uh, And he's like, has a half, half ironic distance from all of this, but he still wants to beat Miro's ass. Yeah, I mean, Chuck has the ironic depression angle that works really well with him and his promos and it, it played in here and you, you you know we do not have a bachelor's party yet and it's actually starting no. to get to me <laughs> uh well hold on because Miro's added a new stipulation into the the wedding angle uh he proposes to chuck that if he beats chuck chuck will become his young boy until after the wedding which uh to which chuck agrees yeah, fun fun angle. That's a good step. Um, and you can see how that could make for some interesting segments if it happens. And Chris Jericho goes, uh, I've been in Japan, and I know what a young boy is. Uh, it's like a protege, which is like, that's not the point of the fucking angle, Chris, is that Chuck Taylor is going to get to sit under Miro's learning tree and, you know, uh, glean some of his fucking knowledge and expertise. For how to, do Miro to, to haze him and have him carry his bags and shit. Uh, but Chris Jericho's a fucking idiot. And 
the well, aspect of that that he has to be the ring bearer for the wedding probably because he's gonna be the young boy and then miro orders him as best man that he's gonna be the ring bearer like there, there's ways that can go with this that's not like protege things chris jericho that okay. it'll be really funny i want to see videos now of uh miro taking chuck shopping for clothes and we see chuck like in gucci i think drip that's- god dustin let's go <laughs> that's funny to me um Dustin, or I'm sorry, now you got me talking about Dustin. Uh, Chuck trying to like do things to get his followers up on socials. I think that's funny. There's some good stuff they could do with that. Yeah, I, I want to see from Chuck Taylor's account just him making his sad droopy dog face at the camera and just head to toe Supreme logos. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, no, you know what has happened? Because Miro had an awesome fit on last night. He needs to be wearing the exact same stuff. Like whatever Miro is wearing, Chuck has the same thing. So you get like the whole dad and son kind of aspect with it. And all the time, he's just incredibly dejected. There's a lot of ways to go with this, and all of them are pretty amusing. I was I wasn't... Little, I think Chuck is taller than Miro, I think. I was a little surprised to see that, yeah, right? Yeah. Sne- sneaky tall, uh, Chuck Taylor. Sneaky tall. Uh, Wardlow defeated Jake Hager with the F10, as we talked about. They bumped this afterwards. So I guess we have a, a detente here uh, in the, the inner circle. Um, issues uh and then the private party backstage segment that we talked about uh there was a darby cage weigh-in they showed off the new tnt belt uh taz didn't want cage to go first uh but then he did and he weighed 272 pounds darby was second he only weighed 170 pounds uh darby said taz might say this feud has been nine months in the making but in reality it's 27 years because i've been dealing with shit from people like you my whole life really bad um bleeping on this episode they missed yeah. basically every curse word they tried to bleep uh he said but we know how this ends so let's get to the fun part and taz says tony get your either wide or white ass out of the ring not sure which seems like the consensus was wide but i certainly heard white <laughs> me too <laughs> which was like what does hook think when taz says that <laughs> uh but there was a blackout and it was sting and uh yeah at least we're finally going to get the match next week so we can end this i hope end this silliness for sure not ending <laughs> uh backstage with mjf jake hager's mad he's destroying stuff uh but mjf's trying to talk him down and jake appreciates his uh kindness <laughs> jake hager is at the depth of jake hager's character now where in one episode he turns into the oh he's the guy who will be upset but if you reason with him he understands and he comes around <laughs> uh that's funny to me also mjf uh this is another week where mjf is like hey cameraman come follow me where i show what a good guy i am even though they did the hidden camera thing in the the private party matt hardy yeah they did Uh, i was thought about referencing that i was like well you know maybe there's some explanation for why there was going to be a camera uh on them signing this contract but no there was no no justification made uh, we saw a, a replay of Brody Jr.'s promo from Dark where he uh, just honestly destroyed Marco Stunt with his promo, no doubt about it. Uh, and this led to a Jurassic Express backstage with Alex Marvez. Marco was talking about how they're on the quest for the AW tag titles, uh, but the Everything Elite's favorite tag team, FTR, showed up, interrupted. Uh, he says, what's the we talk? You're useless, Marco. You're a loser. So Marco says next week he's going to beat both their asses. So next week we're going to get Marco and uh, I almost said Tarzan boy, uh, Jungle Boy against FTR. 
All right. And uh, we had Cody defeating Matt Seidel. Of course, uh, Snoop was out there with him. Cody won with the crossroads. After the match, the Chaos Project attacked. This is great. This is like when uh, John Cena feuded with uh, Damian Sandow. You know, it's like you got the the ace uh, feuding with Luther. Very good. Uh, <laughs> Seidel and Cody took care of him. And then Cody tried to send Matt Seidel to the top rope to finish off Serpentico. But Snoop waved him off, uh, climbed the ropes himself, climbed the turnbuckle himself, and then did a very awkward splash. So awkward that even uh, Sasha Banks uh, roasted his ass on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, very awkward, very funny. Uh, and that made it fun, I think. They kind of, I mean, they didn't do Snoop any favors putting him so close to the turnbuckle, I feel like. Yeah. Like, Jericho, one thing Jericho was right about is that Snoop is about nine feet tall. So, like, <laughs> when he tries to fully extend with his splash, it just doesn't work. Um, I also do like, they set up this Chaos Project attack because Cody accidentally elbowed him at uh, when he was standing at ringside, um, which is the exact same way they set up the Jericho anniversary match against the Chaos Project team. <laughs> and I just want this to keep happening where the only time Chaos Project ever gets a match is when somebody accidentally hits them at ringside. <laughs> I mean, the, the, that's a good way of, of like explaining away. Okay, you have people at ringside and you constantly get get, get popped in the mouth and you're going to get mad and you want to have a match. Like that, that That's all booking to me. Uh, the match itself... I don't think Cody and Matt Seidel have much chemistry together because like Matt Seidel was trying to have like a Matt Seidel match and Cody was just not it was just like not there for it. But the Snoop Dogg thing at the end, I mean, the super high fly flow just rocks. I mean, like, I mean, he should now be his full time manager. The, the theme, I mean, it's OK. It's what it is. But he was actually calling out plays unlike uh, Arn Anderson. You know, he actually was coaching. So I think that Coach Snoop has a lot more uh, in the tank than Coach Arn Anderson. Uh, during the ad break, they did shout out that Snoop is one of the most decorated youth football coaches in the I, country. So he actually has Yeah, I, a friend texted me about that. And I'm like, you know, two minutes later during the ad break, it's like, oh, wow, they actually just brought that up. Uh, so could have <laughs> made you spread on the normal commentary. Uh, but yeah, he should replace Arn all the time. I was impressed that he uh, he was engaged. I mean, he was much more engaged than like Greg Ballantyne. <laughs> well, Ocan shouted it out that uh you know snoop is a guy who is like ubiquitous in american culture now which is kind of remarkable considering like where he you know started from it's like oh here's a gangster rapper slash accused murderer who all the white people are up in arms about and it's like oh no snoop's just like everybody's lovable uncle now uh but snoop will show up to anything that he gets paid for but when he hit this splash on serpentico he got up with a huge smile on his face he was bouncing around the ring it looked like he was having the time of his life so that was cool uh, the women's world title match was up next. Hikaru Shida defeated Abaddon. Uh, Abaddon attacked her, on the, attacked her on the ramp before the match. Uh, there was a segment under the ring where <laughs> I guess she bit Hikaru Shida, drew blood. Uh, I saw, you know, a big, a big, uh, some teeth marks on Hikaru Shida's neck after the match. Thanks to our friend, uh, close personal friend of the show, Keiko Honda, who uh, posted some pictures with Shida on Instagram. Uh, but Hikaru Shida was able to come out on the other side and defeat uh, the dead girl, Abaddon, with the Tamashi. The Sheen. The, the Sheen. Bay, the Sheen. Bay Wyatt. The Sheen. The Wyatt. Little Red Moon. The, the, the Little Red Monster. Uh, Bay <laughs> Wyatt, that is credit to the producer, Andrew Rich, on that. Uh, yeah, this was just like the level preposterous that, like, 
this match was not very good, but I had a great time during it. Like I was there for it, the bite, the blood. And actually this is the one time that like Jericho actually worked on commentary because how ridiculous the match was. It's okay. Having someone going like, she's bleeding. She got, she got bit underneath the ring. How's that legal there? What's Bryce Remsburg doing about this? And that was actually kind of fitting. All right, Aaron, who had the better Jericho impersonation, me or Mike? Mine was shit. I'll completely say that. <laughs> Nate's was I, better. I, like I don't, I mean, I don't know how mine said. I know I was loud. Um, I can't, I can't choose between my, yeah, my, my two favorite friends. <laughs> Living room balls. Oh, real, <laughs> r- real both sides are here, man. And two, you guys were both great. Um, I, now I'm, I'm just, I'm more upset now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, Mike was better. I, I mean, I'm actually more offended than if you chose me as better. Cause mine was dog shit. Like, mm. like both sides this year. Yeah, that, was, that was disgusting display. From Sorry. Anyway. That's, that's what I am. Who I am? Coward. I'm a coward. Um, I do. I mean, look, we all have our thoughts on this match. I do want to shout out an opposite thought on this match uh, from our good friend, Aaron Quinn, who pointed out that the women's match uh, was a lot different. It was worked differently than any other of Hikaru Shida's title defenses. So I think it brought something a little different. And as uh, as my good friend Mike always says, if it's if you're going to be bad, at least be interesting. And this was certainly interesting. Yeah, the, the, this is like the textbook example of be interesting if you're bad, because I had a great time and this match was not good at all. OK, uh, Ty J was backstage. We talked about that. And then you had the men's world title match with Kenny Omega defeating Phoenix with the one winged angel. And then, yeah, a bunch of stuff after it that uh, ended with uh, the Good Brothers showing up and then the Good yeah. Brothers and the Bucks um, all uniting with Omega. Yeah, we didn't actually talk about like what happened, which was uh, That's true. the Good Brothers uh, came out to Kenny Omega was going to kill Phoenix. Moxley came out from the save. Good Brothers came in to take out Moxley. Uh, but then what I enjoyed is while they're doing that, the dark locker room clears out to try and make the save for the AEW guy, which is just like a fun detail. And I think they, they had the first guys over the barricade um, were Pillman and Griff Garrison, which is like just a good little way to put some shine on guys who are not featured or just undercard dark guys. But it's like, Hey, those are the guys that stepped up, uh, you know, and tried to make the save here. So good for them. And that's a good way to like facilitate the angle here. And they explained pretty well, like the idea that that Eddie Kingston and the Butcher and the Blade uh, already negated the rest of Death Triangle, and I thought that that was really fitting. It was like this was really well executed in a lot of different ways. Like, of course, Death Triangle would be out there first, but no, they can't come out there first. And then we've had we've had the Varsity Blondes kind of become a little bit of a team because they were in that six, they were in that twelve man tag. So I mean, it all made sense, and the way they facilitated this, I felt like was really well executed. All right, that was the show. That was the whole show that happened. There was. Uh, I'm sorry? There was. There was. If you loved the show, if you loved this show, a great way to support us is over on patreon.com slash everything elite. Uh, we got three tiers for you to subscribe. The middle one for five bucks will get you all the audio we do, all the audio we've ever done, well over 100 shows in the back catalog for you to dive through. Uh, we added uh, one more already this week. Uh, on Monday, we dropped into the Codyverse. The whole crew got together to talk about Tokyo Joshi Pro from uh, their 1-4 Corquin show. 
Uh, and then, of course, we do our Wednesday light show that we talked about earlier, where Mike and I uh, preview Dynamite, recap Dark, and then Nate breaks down uh, the vlog action, usually BTE uh, and the Sammy G vlog as as necessary. Uh, on Later this week, Mike, you're, you're bringing a new feature to the Everything Elite Patreon. I'm not ready to say that this is a new feature, but I will be watching pilot the Go episode. Big show. It's a pilot. We'll, we'll see how this goes. I'm kind of backdoor piloting this. Uh, I'm really I'm really interested in what the hell this Go Big show possibly could be. For a while, I was trying to get Mama Spears on board so we could try to just get the whole entire Spears family involved in some facet of the Patreon. Because the one thing that both me and my mom love is trash TV. And this looks like great trash TV. So probably sometime tomorrow or Saturday, uh, I'll probably put out like a, a short little thing recapping it and deciding if this is good or not worth anyone's time. So, yep, that's going to come out on Friday or Saturday. And next week you're going to be uh you're going to be talking about uh Nightmare Factory. Yeah, yeah. So, uh I am also blessed that the Spears family has probably the the biggest talent scout for the Nightmare Factory out there. No one scouts the Nightmare Factory like Drew Spears. And we will be breaking down the first ever uh I, I guess it's like the graduation show of the Nightmare Factory, and I watched that today, and that is a very wild hour of wrestling that happened. So it's it, it, there's, a, there's a lot of interesting content, and hopefully if that's not necessarily your speed, we have all kinds of other stuff on the Patreon. We've done live reactions for all the pay-per-views since Full Gear 2019. We have series going on. AB, I know you're getting back in the habit again with uh, <laughs> Loss on the Mountain. Yeah, yeah, it, callback right there, unintentional callback. Oh, like but it. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Lost on the Mountain three is is coming soon. I don't want to promise that it's going to be this month, but I hope that it'll be this month. Uh, we're going to do a new This Is episode that's coming up soon, uh, and I don't want to start a new podcast because I have too many. But I want to talk about music, so I'm just going to start doing some random music episodes on the Patreon. Uh, I've lined up friend of the of the Patreon, Caselow. He and I are going to do an episode about. Uh, tough guy hardcore so if you like tough guy hardcore <laughs> for some reason uh that's got to be at least three of you out there uh we'll talk about that uh over at patreon.com slash everything elite and if you join come join our discord it's a lot of fun uh next week on dynamite new year's smash night two taped show of course we're gonna have the tnt title match darby allen versus brian cage we were supposed to have Thunder Rosa versus Britt Baker, but they did not talk about that last night, so I can only assume it's been canceled. And, of course, they announced a new women's match, and they would never do two women's matches. So we'll be getting the NWA women's title match with Serena Deeb versus Ty Conti, Pack versus Eddie Kingston, Chuck versus Miro, FTR versus Jurassic Express. The inner circle will tell us about their New Year's resolutions and the waiting room with Cody uh, a fucking stacked episode of Dynamite next week. In terms of there being a lot of segments, yeah, I am. I am already dreading the Inner Circle's New Year's resolutions. Yeah, okay, I agree with that. But Darby and Cage, Pack and Eddie, Chuck and Miro, all that sounds really yeah, good. I, I don't know if you know, Aaron. I don't know if you have any uh, experience with this. It's much easier to focus on the negative than the positive. <laughs> <laughs> so, sure. uh, well, yeah, I mean, those are good matches. I will say AEW Dynamite is very often uh, performs to the inverse of what you expect the card is going to be. So mm. seeing a great card, honestly, sometimes now makes me a little worried about how the show is going to turn out. 
I, I'm just excited for the primetime debut of the waiting room. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, obviously Taz is going to run away, run away with best non-wrestler, but Rebel on the waiting room is the best. So I'm stoked for that. Yeah, if you're not a dark head, then uh, you haven't caught the waiting room yet. You're really in for a treat, let me tell you. Hopefully, Marco Stunt will not be the musical guest again. The the real low point of the waiting room. He did like a four and a half minute song. That that was <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, he yeah. Was like good. That, that, it was just really fucking long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was real like coffee house at near the local uh, Bible school song. Like there, that was talented, but just went on for like five minutes, and they kept on cutting to. Brit and Rebel, and they were doing the they, they they were doing the slow music white girl dance where they were just like kind of shimmying back and forth a little bit, and it, it played out the string really quickly. Uh, Mike and I will do a full preview of that show uh, next Wednesday morning on Light, so you can get that over on the AW or not on the AW on the Everything Elite Patreon. All right, uh, anything else you guys want to talk about before we get out of here this nice evening? Well, we already it's too it's too far away to go back to Whoopi Goldberg again, so I'm out of it. <laughs> uh, I would like to say after finishing my Mountain Dew Melon Blast, uh, or Major Melon, sorry, Major Melon, not that great, not that great. Been tipping this through the episode. Yeah, you know. and you know why, Mike? There's there's no sugar in it. Yeah, I, I think it's the watermelon. It's the watermelon, the wall, the watermelon, the watermelon flavor that you know it doesn't taste like a watermelon Jolly Rancher, which is probably is like the best artificial water watermelon flavor. So, kind of disappointed. I gotta say, a, a major melon blast uh, should be something else <laughs> rather than a Mountain Dew. I am not touching that. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> nice way to bring Fuck, that back. Right? I, I, I just walked right into that. I just, I just <laughs> stepped in it. <laughs> yes, you stepped in the major melon blast. Absolutely. Oh, <laughs> All right. Uh, I, Make sure you I don't like on... this episode anymore. I don't <laughs> like this episode. Take us out of here, Aaron. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at everything AEW. I'm at Aaron like the car. Nate's at Epitasis. Mike's at Fuji. Hey, ya. Subscribe to the podcast. Please get these episodes when they come out at 2 a.m. Uh, give us a five star rating and a review if you use the Apple Podcast app. Uh, and if you want to support the show, best ways to do so are to go to patreon.com slash everything elite and subscribe or go to my bookie, not or, and go to my bookie, use the promo code elite, get your hundred percent deposit match. All right. That's it for Mike, for Nate. I'm Aaron. We'll see you next week. special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.